Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. It is good to be with you all today. My name is Martha, and I am a pilgrim, and it is, like I say, good to be with you all today. Um, And I am trembling with uh, anticipation of the story I get to share today. Our text is Acts 9, 1 through 20. This is the Conversion de San Pablo by Jacobo Palma el Joven, the young, uh, a picture of the conversion of St. Paul at uh, the Museo del Prado in Madrid. I'm reading from the voice translation. Back to Saul. This fuming, raging, hateful man who wanted to kill every last one of the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest in Jerusalem for authorization to purge all the synagogues in Damascus of followers of the way of Jesus. I was going to give a precursor. Um, In this story, listen for themes of what is faithfulness, what we think faithfulness is, and how God changes our idea of faithfulness. Back to Saul. And this also sounds a little familiar. I chose this translation because some of the words match the words in the news. Unlike the NIV. For authorization to purge all the synagogues in Damascus of followers of the way of Jesus. His plan was to arrest and chain any of Jesus' followers, women as well as men, and transport them back to Jerusalem. He traveled north toward Damascus with a group of companions. Imagine this, suddenly a light flashes from the sky around Saul, and he falls to the ground at the sound of a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you attacking me? Lord, who are you? Then he hears these words, I am Jesus, I am the one you are attacking. Get up, enter the city, you will learn there what you are to do. These are shocking, unexpected words that will change his life forever. His other traveling companions just stand there, paralyzed. That's not how Jacobo painted it. (laughs) Stand there paralyzed, speechless, because they, too, heard the voice, but there is nobody in sight. Saul rises to his feet, his eyes wide open, but he can't see a thing. So his companions lead their blind friend by the hand, led their blind, and take him into Damascus. He waits for three days, completely blind, and does not eat a bite or drink or drop of anything. Meanwhile, in Damascus, a disciple named Ananias had a vision in which the Lord Jesus spoke to him. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Get up and go to Straight Boulevard, 
Go to the house of Judas and inquire about a man from Tarsus, Saul by name. He is praying to me at this very instant. He has had a vision, a vision of a man by your name who will come, lay hands on him, and heal his eyesight. And Ananias said, Lord, I know whom you're talking about. (laughs) I've heard rumors about this fellow. He's an evil man and has caused great harm for your special people in Jerusalem. I've heard that he has been authorized by the religious authorities to come here and chain everyone who associates with your name. The Lord says, yes, but you must go. I have chosen him to be my instrument, to bring my name far and wide, to outsiders, to kings, and to the people of Israel as well. I have much to show him, including how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias went and entered the house where Saul was staying. He laid his hands on Saul and called to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, sent me so you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this painting because you see everyone just in scatter formation, except for Paul laying ground center. He looks quite at his leisure with his hands behind his head. In the, in the blue vest. Everybody's hit the, hit the deck except Paul seems, well, Saul seems chill. Side note, uh, this text doesn't tell us of his renaming from Saul to Paul, but that comes later as a process of this transformation, this interruption. And I wonder how many times he had to say, actually, it's Paul now. Uh, Like I mentioned, I'm a pilgrim, and I am now more aware of the stories in the Bible that are about people on the road, people between one place and another, uh, between someplace familiar and on their way someplace intended, and what happens when God wants to get their attention. In this story, there are bizarre flips of the script, both for, for Saul and for Ananias, of what faithfulness they expected to look like and what God was prompting them to, not remotely resembling what their idea was. So what changes us? One year ago today, on May 5th, I was in Spain on pilgrimage along the Camino Primitivo, the original, uh, the first one, when King Alphonsus II, the chaste, cursed be his name, He chose the hilliest route from Oviedo to Santiago. He got word that St. James Bones had been found over there, and he, this king, set out with a crew to forge a path, the first. Uh, For me, it took about 11 days, and May 5th was the fifth of 11 days. Uh, I walked from Berucedo to Grandas de Salime, and here's all you need to know. It's, it's only 20 kilometers from one point to the other, so that's a light day. Except um, Berlucedo is at uh, about 900 meters, and Grandas de Salime is at 570 meters, and there's a, um, how you say, reservoir in the middle. So we went to, like, sea level and then back up. It was pure down and then pure up. 
I left town in the morning, went up a little bit down to the town where I got second breakfast, went up again. We don't have to keep looking at this. Went back up again, past a whole row of windmills, so you know it was one of the high points, and then you went down, down, down um, for six kilometers, straight down. I was already uh, in great pain. This was my seventh day of walking. Um, I was not in great shape. Uh, um, one ankle had been rubbed raw from my shoes. I had heel, heel blisters on both feet. Uh, my left knee was starting to give out. I'd gotten one of those like compression bandages that really just squeezed the pain a little bit tighter. Um, and I forget. What, I mean, everything just aches at this point. Uh, and downhill is not the best if you don't have the best knees. Um, and so I was serpentine. I was, instead of going straight down, you kind of do this a little bit. <laughs> you just, you're doing like, it's taking you longer, is all I'm saying. Uh, what I remember from the downhill, downhill, downhill part to the reservoir with the dam is uh, three men, French and Italian, who I kept leapfrogging around. They moved faster, but then they would stop and have water or a snack as I just like crept my way and crept and never stopped and just like drank water from my side, but never stopped moving. And by like the third or fourth time they passed me, I'm creeping, weeping also, because I cried all the time. And this older European man comes alongside me, burning past me for the third time. And he goes, Coraggio. And I go, okay, like, perdon. I don't know the word. And he says it again, Coraggio, courage. And I was like, gracias. I don't know you, you don't know me, you know that I'm in pain. And I wept for that, the kindness that he would say, take courage, take heart. Made it to the reservoir and then proceeded to go up, up, up along a highway while cars were coming down. That's a great place to be on this windy highway. It was a mid-afternoon. I was having my daily meltdown, which probably had to do with uh, food, blood sugars. But every day around 1 or 2 p.m., I would be sobbing and having an existential crisis. This day, it took the form, according to my journal, of please, 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 please. There was nothing else to say. There was nothing else to do but focus on each step and wish for it to be over. As I recall, those pleases were for relief. Let this step not hurt. Let the town be around the corner. And as I reread my journal, I'm rereading my journal each day this, this week, I was struck with what was I asking for versus what was being answered. I ended up being, well, so that, that night, that dinner, by the time I got to the town where we planned to stop, Grandas de Salime, I ran into a father and son who I'd stayed with a couple of nights before and met along the way, and we sat and had uh, sandwiches in the street, and I told them about Quakers, and, and then we planned to meet for dinner, and another set of friends that I'd met the night before 
and the five of us ended up being this dinner crew. And those five of us ended up being the people who walked into Santiago six days later. But this was the first time that it was us five. I didn't know that that day. But that was May 5th. Two days later, on May 7th, I had to begin serpentining uphill as well. There was a very steep part uh, ascent into a town where I stopped for lunch, and I felt something twinge in my right Achilles. So between my left knee and my right Achilles, I had to serpentine downhill, serpentine uphill, 40,000 steps a day, each one of them a jab of pain. And I was feeling very sorry for myself. I did a whole lot of weeping and gnashing. And at one point, there was this long, white gravel road where I could see, like I turned a corner, and then I could just see it lay out in front of me how far I had to be on this gravel road. I could no longer maintain my balance between left knee and right ankle. If I started to pitch, to overcorrect would hurt too. Everything hurt. Uh, And along that white road, again, a Spanish man who I'd been leapfrogging with that day comes alongside me, burning past, and he goes, this time it was from this side, you are brave. (laughs) Come on. You are brave. You go slow, but keep going. And I just wept at him. Like, (laughs) yep. Feeling so sorry for myself. I cannot overemphasize this enough. I was so miserable. And I'm staring down. And all of a sudden, spirit goes, message. And it was enough to just, like, snap my attention from pain and bright light to focus on the road, not just make sure you're not about to pitch onto your face, but like focus, that's what, what's right in front of you. And this is what I saw. Ha-ha! More gravel road. But maybe you can see it. I can't overemphasize this. It was two feet away from this point that spirit goes, hey. And, and I go, what? And I look. My friend Javi, the machine, he had carved Go Marta into the, into the gravel. And I, I literally, I can't, I can't say this enough, two, three feet away. I stop, I stare at this thing, I walk around it. (laughs) Like, just all of the above, like sunglasses off, this is a mirage, this can't be real. Camera, I'm trying to, I have like two or three pictures that all are terrible, but I'm trying to get this angle and like, this isn't, I didn't make this up, right? The shadows weren't working, it was too bright. And what struck me, I don't know whether to leave it, on the Gomarta or on just the plain gravel picture. Because this is what it felt like. Shadow of a message. He'd been there hours before. Javi was in such good shape. He, this is his like eighth Camino. 
He was flying. He was choosing to go shorter days so that he could stay with us. And so he was at this point hours earlier in the day. And what struck me was that I was not just seen in my weakness the way the Italian man who said coraggio or the Spanish man who said, you are slow, but you keep going. To be seen in weakness is a humbling thing for your vulnerability to just be on display. Kindness in any form like that is such a gift. But what hit me was that to be a thought of ahead of time and cheered on, that I crossed Javi's mind at that point and he wrote, go Marta, in the, in the gravel. And that spirit, when I walked into that bubble or whatever, spirit went now. <laughs> and I caught it. It was holy. There were no mistakes. And I ended up spending hours that evening. I made it into uh, a town. I stopped it shy of all my friends. But I ended up in the posture of Saul from that first picture. I laid on the concrete ground and put my feet up on the bed and laid there for a couple hours just to try to bring relief to my joints and tendons and muscles. The other thing I was going to tell, <laughs> yeah, before I stopped in that town that night, as I'm coming downhill yet again, Pain, 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 pain. Thanks, Javi. That was encouraging. I took a picture, but now I still got more <laughs> kilometers to go. Pain, pain, pain. Can't keep my balance. And, uh, and I, I'm coming down the steep last descent into the village. I see the buildings. <laughs> this is promising. And some other European man uh, comes sailing past me again, and he goes, sometimes it helps if you run. <laughs> I do not recall my exact reaction to him. I'm sure I just stared at him dumbfoundedly, like, what's the matter with you? I was closer to lying down and rolling sideways than I was to running. He was like, like this, if you, and I was like. <laughs> so even the image of the each person who saw the suffering that I was enduring and spoke encouragement to me had infinite more value than the person who did not see the suffering. And it was just like, hey, this is what's easy. I, like, he had not witnessed my suffering and he did not speak truth to me that it would help me at that point. Every time I tell Camino stories, I realize the truth of uh, an expression Wendell Berry uses, I think it's in Jaber Crow, that telling one story is like pulling a handful of grain out of a granary. And there's just, how do you stop? There's so much more. Everything connects. And now a year later, I can look back and say, that day, that series of moments were my moments on the road where God started to change me from a person who thought I had to carry everything by myself I had to suffer alone to a person who would be seen and journeyed with, to a person who would belong in a body. I didn't know that this day. Within the week, I did know that I would belong to a group. But it started with Javi writing, Go, Marta. 
And I texted Javi the other morning to say, this was the day we met a year ago. And he replied, laughing. And I was back in this sunny country with few things to worry about, but everything at the surface. So I want to close us with Psalm 30. Thinking about how God gets our attention and changes us, what faithfulness looks like, what we think we're asking for versus what is being answered. Psalm 30, also in the voice. I praise you, eternal one. You lifted me out of that deep, dark pit and denied my opponents the pleasure of rubbing in their success. Eternal one, my true God, I cried out to you for help. You mended the shattered pieces of my life. You lifted me from the grave with a mighty hand, gave me another chance, and saved me from joining those in that dreadful pit. Sing, all you who remain faithful. Pour out your hearts to the eternal with praise and melodies. Let grateful music fill the air and bless his name. God's wrath you see is fleeting, but the eternal one's grace lasts a lifetime. The deepest pains may linger through the night, but joy greets the soul with the smile of morning. When things were quiet and life was easy, I said in arrogance, nothing can shake me. By your grace, eternal one, I thought I was as strong as a mountain. But when you left my side and hid away, I crumbled in fear. Oh, eternal one, I called out to you. I pleaded for your compassion and forgiveness. I'm no good to you dead. What benefits come from my rotting body? My body in the grave will not praise you. No songs will rise up from the dust of my bones. From dust comes no proclamation of your faithfulness. Hear me, eternal one. Please help me. Be merciful. You did it. You turned my deepest pains into joyful dancing. You stripped off my dark clothing and covered me with joyful light. You have restored my honor. My heart is ready to explode, erupt in new songs. It's impossible to keep quiet. Eternal one, my God, my life giver, I will thank you forever. Where is the eternal one drawing you? And are you open to being changed? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.